That's right, this year for 2018, we got Birds Holiday Spectacular. And without further ado, I will not keep you away from the man of the hour. Welcome to his own <laughs> holiday special, Bird. Bird, how are you uh, doing on this festive night? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing okay. Yeah, I feel like my allergies uh, have been getting the best of me lately. Yeah, uh, other than that, I'm, I'm not bad. Good, that's good to hear. Um, are you having a good holiday season? Have you took care of all your uh, gifting duties and whatnot? Is the um, stress I'm, gone? I'm for the most. I'm mostly done with Christmas shopping, and the, believe it or not, this is like kind of around the same time, maybe a little earlier even than I'm usually done. I'm so bad at like I don't do the get everyone's presence a month and a half early thing like i'm i i always wait till the last minute because it's like in my blood uh but you know i i don't go anywhere either though so i just do all my christmas shopping online because i I don't want to go who wants to go anywhere (laughs) yeah like i felt the stress a little bit but i was happy like pretty much i'm done except for just wrapping Usually I'm one of those guys who's mailing out everybody's Christmas cards on the evening of the 23rd, knowing they won't get there. So I yeah. was happy last night uh, on the evening of the 19th to get uh, the Christmas cards out that I needed to get out. So I feel like I'm doing pretty good this year. Yeah, I just... Ugh, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm I glad it's... Mo- like, there's a few people I need to get still, but I don't know, I'll stop somewhere tomorrow and figure something out yeah most of my christmas presents are improvised yeah i think that's like oh that's that's a thing uh here (laughs) i always like the gifts where it's uh the thought that counts like i'll take something more off the wall but if somebody puts some thought into it i'll appreciate it more (laughs) right yeah And, and you know what i'm truly one of those people that to me there's no such thing as a bad gift like, I will take anything you got for me, you know what I mean? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. No, I, I I agree there. So, Bird, in the tradition, the old tradition of the old ways, I gotta ask you, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I am drinking uh, Diet Coke. Ooh, not a very exotic choice. No. <laughs> I am rolling with the... El Mexicano brand coconut water. Oh my god, that stuff's ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Usually it's like pretty sweet. For some reason, this can uh, taste like uh, mashed potatoes. I don't know why. I don't know why. It like tastes like liquid mashed potatoes to me. 
I already don't really, I'm not really into coconut anything, but yeah, coconut water is just, I can't, I can't do it. Have you ever tried the El Mexicano? It comes in the tall, like, blue can. No. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a lot of, like, of the little chunks, like, floating at the bottom. So when you get to the bottom, it's like, it's almost like you have a snack, you know what I mean? <laughs> that just sounds wrong. It does sound wrong. <laughs> but before we get started on the holiday festivities, let's talk about something that apparently can't get any rider. I I want you to talk a little bit about to the world how much you love this film. And you actually say people who have not seen this film yet are cucks. That was your phrase. <laughs> Tell, tell everybody just you know don't no spoilers but just tell everybody just your emotional impressions of um spider-man into the spider-verse film. oh yeah yeah no um uh, i mean i like you um spider-man is just one of my all-time favorite characters in any medium um and like you even though i i think we we heavily disagree on the movies we we have you know enjoyed in the spider-man you know movie yeah almost um, polar opposites right but one thing we do have in common is that we're both very picky about right. what we like in a spider-man movie um but the the yes into the spider-verse for me hit all the marks that a spider-man should and um you know, we we get various versions of Spider-Man from different universes, but the movie I, it does a really good job of keeping Miles Morales as the core, who's a character I have never read a single comic book with this character. I yeah, I hate him I, personally. Yeah, I I you know walked in completely cold to him, but the movie yeah. the movie did a really good job of making him relatable, and um, Peter Parker the the version that we get throughout the course of most of the movie i also found relatable uh it but it kind of makes me feel my age a little bit because instead of relating to like awkward teenage peter i'm relate or miles in this case i'm relating to like out of shape schlubby made poor life decisions midlife crisis peter um but no i mean it was really it was just uh really fun time and i thought that it nailed the the character of peter parker and spider-man more than probably any of the live action versions i thought um but it it really gives you um an arc for these characters and i i was not really expecting it to to do that really yeah, it really looked like, um, and Sony Pictures Animation, they have made some fun movies over the years. Um, I thought the first Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs was actually Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't see the second one. I, I but Se- The second one's not near the level of the first one, in my opinion. The animation style was really interesting, and I was reading like how they intentionally like took out a bunch, like, they intentionally, like, uh, cut out like i don't i don't want to say half because i don't know the exact amount and that might be an exaggeration but they they took out a crap ton of frames so the frame rate they almost move like stop motion but i guess the idea is it's kind of subliminally supposed to evoke the idea of like flipping through comic pages and i don't know it, it was just a lot of creative stuff like that that you haven't really seen 
um, just aesthetically from an animated uh, movie. And then Trev brought up the, the point of like, we're so obsessed with wanting to see all these things in live action. Why? But like, why? Like, there's no real reason for it. And honestly, like, when we think back, like, oh, Batman the Animated Series, Mask of the Phantasm, like, is like these holy grails of bat outside batman media outside the comics right it's like that's like i almost think animation might be like if they did more things like this it could be like the preferred format to see this stuff yeah and uh, i really think you know especially with the the comic book to animated film adaptations um you know i like to me i mean no, nothing is more spider-man out of anything that's ever been produced than the old ralph bakshi uh spider-man 68 or whatever it was cartoon so i mean i feel like with these characters i mean it's it's literally a moving cart you know it's a, it's a moving a dr- illustration i guess i should say yeah i mean I and since think- uh and since marvel and netflix are too dumb uh, this mm-hmm. we we actually get a a, fil- a feature film uh, where with Spider-Man where the Kingpin is the main villain. Exactly. Because even though we have a great live action Spider-Man and Kingpin, uh, they're too dumb and that <laughs> it's all connected stuff was all bullshit. So we're never gonna yeah. see that in the movie. I would love to see Tom Holland and Vincent D'Onofrio uh, <laughs> fight in a in a Spider-Man movie, but that's not gonna happen. Speaking of that. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before all the Netflix Marvel shows are canceled and then Marvel pretty much says, well, the movies are canon to the TV shows, but the TV, but the TV shows TV. aren't canon to them. And like, that's kind of how it already uh, felt, really. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. Like, I, I did appreciate, especially in, I want to say, Daredevil Season 1, that there was a storyline of the Kingpin trying to cash in on the rebuilding of New York and all that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, yeah, the TV shows never really... And and to be honest, like, I mean, even though, like, I like Charlie Cox and everything, I, th- I thought he did a pretty good job. Um, I, I'm just a big Daredevil fan as well, and I want to see a Daredevil movie. I want to see Daredevil in the MCU. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel yeah. like we need, especially in the Avengers-styles movies, we need more hands-on, beat-em-up characters like Black Widow and Hawkeye. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I guess the Netflix deal, Marvel can't do anything with those characters for two more years anyway. Mm. So they're just going to languish in, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. limbo until then. I didn't read the article, but I saw a clickbait headline that supposedly a Marvel executive were saying, or maybe a Disney person in relation to the Disney streaming service, that it's not impossible that those characters might not show up ever again in a future tv series but by the time disney whatever streaming gets started i think all those shows will just have lost all their like whatever anyway and you might as well just recast you know yeah um but yeah the that whole it's all connected thing was just it was crap anyway yeah because they 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 could they could barely say any the oh the green guy like they can't even (laughs) say the hulk (laughs) the guy with the hammer the incident, I, I mean, the invasion of New York is, uh, in the movies they call it the Chitari uh, invasion, yeah. and the shows they call it the incident. 
Yeah, in the uh, the shows, it's like they act like nobody like ever saw an alien. <laughs> there's like like if you watch any of the Avengers movie, there's like aliens holding people hostage in train stations and shit. <laughs> yeah, like was it like the Lee Harvey Oswald like Kennedy assassination where like all the people that were there that day some suddenly died seven years later or whatever? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But yeah, getting back to the animated uh, Spider-Verse film, I have to say, like, it really caught me off guard, like, all the different reactions and stuff. And well, I had like, no, like, yeah. I was going to see it be- just because I love Spider-Man, and right. I was like, okay, the trailer is intriguing enough, whatever, and uh, I don't know, I-, I went in completely cold, and I left just like, oh my gosh, this is one of my favorite things I've seen this year, uh, right. and I I wasn't expecting that. Right. Yeah, just really the reactions everybody, like, took me from, um, you know, because, like, I didn't, I guess my fear from the trailers and even after the long whatever scene at the end of Venom, because they, they showed, like, a long-ass scene at the at the end credits of Venom, um, I, I guess I just was, like, I wanted to see it because it was Spider-Man, but I kind of had, like, the fear that, you know, because the trailers make it seem like it's, like, really could be a kid centric movie and just hearing like all the reactions of people and knowing that it it is a quote-unquote real movie to the point like i've seen people saying it like not even best animated film just best picture period it deserves to be nominated like it's definitely piqued my interest you know and i haven't yeah and it's like i haven't seen i don't think i've seen one person you know who either like either uh, on a podcast, a website, or even just people that I personally know, out of the people I know have seen it, I've never, I haven't seen one person be like, meh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas Aquaman was the holiday season film I was like all pumped up for, and now everybody's having the, um, not negative, I wouldn't say, but everybody's having the, the, the middle of the road reaction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I, w- I will say, I mean, Spider Man, I mean, it, it is a really good movie, you know, for, for kids, but I don't think it's any more like, kitty or watered down than the other spider-man movies we've had it's just animated um but yeah the aquaman was weird because like the pre-release buzz like i was ready i was pretty much ready to go this weekend and then like people i know started seeing it and then like more word of mouth started coming out from other people that have seen it and they were like this isn't that good so I'm. I mean, I'll get. I'm. I'm sure I'll get around to it at some point. But I. I don't know. I don't really care much anymore. It's. It's weird because the pre-release buzz was like really strong, and like I was starting to get convinced. Like, oh, this might be another like thing, like Wonder Woman, where it's gonna take everyone by surprise, and right. a lot of people are just like, eh, it's not. Well, the, it's the, okay at best, is what I keep hearing. The early buzz and the overseas buzz definitely was on that Wonder Woman type level. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, like, yeah, once it hit here, I feel like, uh, I don't know if jaded is the right enough word, but I feel like, I feel like American moviegoers, when it comes to comic book movies, they put things more in context, like, whereas I feel like the overseas audiences, if, like, you look at the grosses of these types of films, like, the overseas audience is just, like, they show up with their bucket of popcorn and they're ready to be entertained, and as long as you put on a show big spectacle they're going to enjoy it whereas i feel 
the uh, American audience for whatever reason, th- like they want more of a balance of the spectacle and the story. Like, like they actually want these films, I guess to some degree to actually function as dramas as well. I mean, do you think that's <laughs> fair to say? Yeah. And you know, I, I, I at this point, I, I just, feel, I, I'm just surprised they don't seem to understand that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think if you look at it, like if we all know, um, for people who don't know, because which I'm sure everybody knows, DC is owned by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers makes all these films. Um, and I think if you look back into something like even like ten years ago or how long ago it was that Speed Racer came out, like Speed Racer was like a bomb moving towards a box office, but it it made ton of money merchandise wide, like worldwide. So I almost think. I almost think that Warner Brothers is designing these films to play more to the international audience than they are to us, whereas I feel Marvel is more balancing it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like Marvel is taking more. Well, I think well, Marvel. I think like Marvel operates a very like much like a TV show where it's run by the same people every time, and you know things are laid out in advance in the people that sign on to do it just like tv show directors they know they're playing in someone else's sandbox whereas warner brothers like i don't even know if all these dc movies share the same like main producers like it just feels like they're just whoever the president of the studio is is like oh hey you you and you you're in charge of this thing and you're in charge of this thing and it's do something with it kind of thing well i mean i mean there's definitely been i want to say more from the comic book fan side of things there's definitely been like a way more mixed reaction or negative reaction to the to the DC movies, um, but I feel like I don't know. Like I feel like the executives or whatever in charge, like because of that that you know negative reaction and pretty much, I mean I think all the DC films were profitable profitable even Justice League. Oh, yeah. I think was yeah. profitable. It just. I think I think with all these DC movies, it's like okay, we're doing. They've all done roughly between in you know the ballpark of like six hundred to eight hundred million. But I think I think they're going through a lot of turnover with executives, directors, writers, producers because they're like, okay, that's great that we did whatever six hundred fifty million on Justice League, but I want to get the motherfuckers in here that are going to do a billion. So yeah. I think, like you said, that's why they don't have the continuity that Marvel has, you know? Yeah. And um, sometimes I want, to, I want to... What's your opinion on this, Bird? Is, like, the for, the, like, the hardcore comic book fans or even the people who I would even say watch the DC TV shows, like, Warner Brothers with the movies kind of can do no right. Like, everybody's hypercritical. But if, if you... Do you think... In a, just a what-if scenario, if the MCU never, like, launched or the MCU didn't exist, I mean, to think that we would never have had, you know, an Iron Man, a Captain America Civil War, or not Civil War, but Winter Soldier, we would never have had the Avengers. Like, if Marvel wouldn't have taken to this high level, do you think people would still be, like, this upset about these DC movies? Because I really think it's the fact that people are, like, comparing them to the Marvel movies, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm going to say, I don't think it would make too much of a difference for, and that's for one reason is because I remember before the MCU, 
and we had a lot of movies that, in in my opinion, were e- of equal quality to a lot of the DC uh, movies. Um, like that's when we were with uh, we had the Fantastic Fours and the Ghost Riders yeah. and the all, the Daredevil and all those to me are like you know no better or worse than suicide squad or something which is a way of me saying yeah they're not good and back then it was like okay we have the sam raimi spider-man or the brian singer x-men or blade and then the other end of the spectrum is ghost rider or daredevil and um you know i i think that I think Marvel just know has a, a certain formula at the at the worst can be watchable and incredibly generic and not leave an impression like Ant-Man and the Wasp or something. Right. And at best can be something like, you know, uh, Winter Soldier where, you know, it is one of the best of ones, but if there was no Marvel MCU, I don't I don't know if these Warner Brothers movies would be making as much money, first of all. I I think I think the MCU, whether you're on the side of quote-unquote side, I hate that. I don't know why people can't just enjoy the genre. And, right. But uh, with without the MCU, I, I don't think there would be as much interest in a DC universe. Um, so... I, I like I don't know if they these would even be made. I know like the Nolan Batman movies kind of like got more people into the superhero stuff, but I don't I don't know like if there would be an Aquaman and if there was it would probably be looked at like people looked at something like uh Rise of the Silver Surfer or whatever. Right. Well just the fact that Aquaman was literally a long-running gag on the show Entourage and like now and like it was like like the way they treated Aquaman on Entourage was like it was like a joke it was like a parody of you know how ridiculous the comic book genre of films is and then here we are like 10 years after that and there's like actually a real Aquaman movie coming out in theaters it's kind of mind-blowing to me yeah um I don't know, it'll be interesting to see where they go, because, I don't know, it seems like every day there's another project announced, and then the next day another project's dropped, and (laughs) I know we got Shazam after this, and then after that, I don't, I know there's a bunch of scripts ready, but I don't, that doesn't mean anything in Hollywood. Yeah, I think maybe Birds of Prey might finally be real, I think. I could see, yeah, I, I think that one might get there, but... Like Nightwing, Bat- no one knows yeah. what's going on with Batman. Uh, we have a, a standalone Joker movie that's outside of continuity. Yeah, it's Joker. It's yeah, it's kind of just everywhere. <laughs> it is everywhere. I'm I'm a fan of both. I think at this point, maybe I'm not necessarily a bigger fan of of the DC films because I, as far as just ca- based on character per character, I actually like Marvel characters more. Just always have, um, but the DC movies, I don't know to me, like they're more surprising sometimes for better or for worse. Like they sometimes come with a weird approach, and I don't know. And I like the I like that the DC movies kind of remind me of the superhero movies of the '90s, whereas the Marvel ones are like definitely more up to date. I would say. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, just like how I can watch Godzilla 98 because it makes me nostalgic for 90s blockbusters, you know. But yeah, I don't know. I just I just think it's interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I think really, because uh, I think for years, Bird, we were just waiting for there to be superhero fatigue and there, there really never was. But I think... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that and zombies every and year zombie people fatigue, are like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's done yeah, it's not it gonna alone. happen yeah and then people never get tired <laughs> but i think i think for me because i own every <laughs> imaginable live action marvel mcu or dc you know and i own the original superman movies and all the batman movies don't but the only movie i don't own and i still haven't watched yet is um from the X-Men series was uh, Wolverine, the last one. Or Logan, I guess. No, Logan? yeah, Logan. And, like, I, you know, for the longest time, like, I couldn't put my finger on, like, why do I not want to go see this movie? Then it was like, why do I not want to rent this movie? Why do I not? Like, I own every single other X-Men movie, even the ones that hey, I was like, how come I haven't bought this yet? And it's literally just, you know, I think I want to say probably since Days of Future Past come out, like I I just ha- I didn't have superhero fatigue or even X Men fatigue. I had Wolverine fatigue. Oh yeah, yeah, that's like, uh, yeah, yeah. And like I watched like long chunks of Logan on cable, like ten minutes here, twenty minutes there. It's an entertaining movie. Like I'm not gonna shit on it and say it looks shitty or I don't want to watch it. But it's just like at the end of the day, it all comes back to it's Hugh Jackman as Wolverine for the twelfth time to me. So. I could see myself possibly, you know, with these series, because I kind of have Iron Man fatigue too, because like Downey has put such his stamp yeah. on the character, and I feel like he kind of plays it the same way in every movie yeah. that he's in. Well, I, it, I feel like that there's a calculated end to that, whereas Wolverine, I mean, you know, once yeah. the Disney thing gets rolling, we'll we'll see that recap. Like it's the same as Batman. Like yeah. how many we had so much Batman from what begins yeah. through uh, Suicide League. Squad. Yeah, yeah, Justice League. Right. Yeah. It, like that. It, it it like how much more Batman can there even be possible? Like and yeah, yeah. that Wolverine and Batman are by far the most overexposed overdone superheroes i loved logan but i mean it was i mean to me that should just be the end of any live action wolverine for another 10 to 15 years and it was a good ending it was an ending that fit for the character let's leave it at that for a while but you know they're you know they're gonna get logan back as soon as they do something with the x-men yeah, I feel like there's never going to really be a time when the X-Men are going to be making movies and Wolverine is not involved somehow. I mean, probably the closest they got to getting away from the character, I want to say, is probably First Class. And even then, they still had to have at least a humorous cameo. Yeah, a cameo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yep, yep. Yeah, and the, yeah, the only movies that he's going to have nothing to do with is going to be what Dark Phoenix and New Mutants, the two that aren't out yet. Yeah. Because even the Deadpool movies reference him constantly. Oh, yeah. It's like they're constantly <laughs> suckling on their teeth. Speaking of which, what's your opinion, yay or nay, on Once Upon a Deadpool? The PG 13 recut of Deadpool 2 that is being framed as a Christmas movie now somehow. 
Uh, nay, I, I've heard like the little segments, the new segments are fun, and I believe yeah. it. But I put that up as like a short on the internet. I, I it's they're calling it an experiment, but yeah, uh, experiment in what? Like selling out, repurposing well, like, something? I, like what? How like how many people even knew that was Deadpool two recut going in? Yeah, I don't know. I find that shady too. I mean, we're we like we read articles. Like, we're not Joe Schmo audience. Like, yeah. is Joe Schmo audience gonna buy a ticket and be like, "Wait a minute, I saw this." Only it, it's dumber now. Like, yeah, like I, 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 mean, I don't understand it from the standpoint of like, oh, kids can see it now because any kid that was gonna see Deadpool two already saw it. Right. You know, the parents that are that didn't want them seeing it when it was rated R probably they're still not gonna let them see it now well i don't even understand like like the whole thing of like well now kids can see it and this is experiment i've seen some articles try to like be like well this is an experiment to see if a pg-13 deadpool can work it's like it's like for what though there's not going to be a deadpool 3 like it's done like fox is sold to disney like well, if, and if, and if disney wants to do a deadpool like i mean even yeah. if you look at deadpool comics he doesn't have to be rated r all the time well, even if he did, it's like this current iteration, you know, R rating, Ryan Reynolds, that's done. It's over with. Ryan Reynolds is even saying it's like there probably won't be a Deadpool 3. So, I mean, it's like, what is this experiment for? For it, Like, I totally think it's like a cash grab. And it is cool that they're donating. I think it's a dollar out of every ticket sold right, yeah. to cancer. So, I mean, I'm not going to shit on that. But, I mean, that's that's secondary i think it's a cash grab you know to try to boost the uh, end of year revenues whatever for the outgoing execs that they know are going to be fired by disney once the deal is done <laughs> yeah i i just don't think the audience that missed out on deadpool 2 because of the r rating is big enough to justify right. this and i especially think it's dumb to do it after deadpool 2 has already come out on video if, if, <laughs> yeah, if, if the window, and that's the thing is like I originally was going to go. Why not just put this out as a, a DVD extra? Right. Yeah, something. like I mean, I was willing to go see this, but then like the more I thought about it, I was like, well, I just bought Deadpool two on Black Friday, which it has an extended cut that you know. So I'm like, well, if if, if it's like, what do I? How do I want to watch Deadpool two for the second time? Do I want to watch the PG thirteen? And everybody's like, oh, Fred Savage, Prince. I was like, I don't care about that. <laughs> like, who cares? Fred Savage. When was the last time anybody cared about Fred <laughs> Savage? <laughs> but it's like, I kind of just rather watch the, the real extended cut of the real version of the movie, you know? Yeah, I don't know why they're doing this. And it's for Deadpool 2. The, yeah. the movie wasn't that good the first time, I didn't think. So, I don't know. Well, I originally thought they were going to do, like, a lot of stuff where there's going to be a lot of whole brand new scenes that were deleted, but... Apparently, it really is just like a made-for-TV censored job, you know. So, but I don't know. I don't. I don't mean to be negative here. One thing before we get into the holiday festivities, one more order of business we got to take care of because this is what me and Trev did on the last holiday special we did in 2016. We didn't have a holiday special in 2017, but it's 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 ripe for the time. There's nothing going on with it, but at the same time, everything's going on with it. Bird, we got to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> Are we talking the Star Wars holiday special? <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, let's talk about happy third anniversary, which this is the anniversary nobody's talking about, but happy third anniversary to The Force Awakens, <laughs> highest grossing Star Wars movie of all time. Then also happy one year anniversary to The Last Jedi, the most divisive 
and angry, whatever. <laughs> Hate mob. <laughs> Star Wars one more time. And also, apparently, we got to throw in happy birthday to Ryan Johnson somehow. <laughs> I don't know why his birthday matters. Like, we don't talk about anybody else's birthday in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Ryan Johnson's birthday is like new. Like, was, were people shocked that he was like actually born? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, it, it's like a big deal in Star Wars, though, Bert, because like when you watch like The Last Jedi, like, documentary, like, they, they go out of their way to film his birthday party, and I'm like, who? <laughs> Who cares? It's not George Lucas's birthday party. It's not Mark Hamill's birthday party. Who fucking cares about one guy that kind of directed one movie in a twelve movie franchise? I can't believe it's only been a year. The, the, the last, oh, the exhausting last Jedi talk. Years. It's just from us, but among the world, has just cemented twenty eighteen as the slowest year ever. Oh my! God. Because I feel like this movie has been talked about so much that. Yeah it's been talked about as much as most movies are over the course of like 20 years. <laughs> yeah. It has. And I got to say at this point, I hate both sides. I originally saw the movie and I was very like middle of the road on it, but it really was all the fighting initially on the side of defending it. That pissed me off. And now it's like, once we got to about the, the, the month eight month nine part, you know, like after the film and people are still attacking it, like I just I've come to hate both sides, and it just like well, me too because like honestly, I I mean I don't mind the movie. It's definitely not one of my favorite Star Wars movies, but I like I I don't get what the big deal is either way. <laughs> I I don't I don't get what's so amazingly good or bad about it. Right, I, right. I mean, I, I'm, like. I mean, to me, like, just as, you know, compartmentalizing my feelings, like how I actually feel about the actual movie, to me, it's the end of Star Wars, just meaning the end of the story. Like, there's there's nowhere else to go. Han's dead. Luke's dead. Leia's dead. Even though she's not dead on screen, she's dead. And I'm, and I'm kind of like, you could go forward with the new characters, uh, but... I feel like the the conflict between Ray and Kylo was finished too. So like I feel like Ryan instead of making the part two of the trilogy, it felt like to me he made the part three. Like unless JJ comes along and opens up a whole new can of worms to get me interested, like like for better or worse, and I don't like the movie, but just the movie the the story that the movie told, I feel like I have closure on this trilogy. Like I'm done. I'm cool. Like if let's say somehow nine sucked heinously. I would, I would be fine just saying Last Jedi is like the last, you know, episode eight is the last Star Wars movie. Like, I don't know. Like, like I'm just, I'm just, you know, done with it. Not out of anger, not out of hate, just out of like, I feel like Ryan brought things full circle. When I say I hate this movie, I mean, I hate that it exists and it caused all this shit, if that makes sense. <laughs> It's pretty much what the internet would have been like when the fan... I mean, the internet was around when the Phantom Menace came out, yeah. but it, everyone was on dial-up. No one could yell at each other at the drop of a hat. You know, yeah, there was no Twitter, true. you know. And even then, not <laughs> everybody were... had the internet back then. Yeah, but it, it's... I imagine it, it would have been the same. I, I don't know. It's just... It's crazy to me that a movie that, in my opinion, was so, like average yeah just made people on either side feel such intense 
love or hate. I don't understand the people saying it like ruined their lives or. I, I mean, it it ruined my love for Star Wars. I mean, I'll say that. And I just what, what I just mean by that is like there's nowhere left for it to go for me. You know, like 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 Solo was cool. Like I loved it when I saw it. It was like my birthday movie, whatever. But it was like. It was a backstory. It didn't have any consequence. You know what I mean? Like, it, it really didn't mean anything in the sense yeah. of the story starting with episode one and going on. It's like, and, and everybody's like, well, episode nine is coming to wrap it all up. I'm like, it feels wrapped up to me. Like, <laughs> I don't, like, what well, is- when you get, when they're getting to the point where when you're this, the mo- amount of movies deep. Yeah, it's just like, it's, I don't, it's, I, like, I feel similarly, I'm, I'm I'm super excited and I'm looking forward to it but the new Godzilla movie like I it might it's it's hands down my most anticipated movie of next year but I don't have like these super personal stakes in it because it's like well what if it's bad it's like what if it is what if it's bad if it's bad I have there's it, it sounds like an exaggeration unless you actually know the series but I literally have 33 other Godzilla movies I can go watch if right. it's bad right same with Star Wars. If it's bad, oh, okay, I can go home and watch A New Hope. You know? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's just like, I don't know, like... <laughs> like, for me, it's not even, like... Like, for some reason, I'm just at that weird point where I can't... I can't really just be like, oh, this movie didn't happen or that movie didn't happen. But I'm definitely at the point where I feel like there's, quote-unquote, Lucas continuity or canon, and there's Disney continuity in canon, if that makes any sense. Because, like, I just feel like... <sighs> all these well, movies... it's a different era, definitely. Yeah, like, I mean, but, but and it, you know what I mean, Bird? Like, 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 seven, eight, Solo, Rogue One, like, they're just... You can feel that they were made in a different time period. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think... You know, there's always going to be something missing when you lose that level of. But I mean, even the even the prequels feel so disconnected from the original three. You yeah, know, that's true. It's, that's true. I don't know. It's it's Star Wars is just kind of weird. You know, and each era kind of does have its own like, uh, I guess, feel to it. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of like. I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head there. And I, I think the different eras, it's kind of like, it's because there's completely different people making them all. And it's like, you had young George Lucas overseeing the vision of the first three. And then you had the much older and changed by life, by parenthood, by just whatever, you know, Lucas that made the first, you know, episode one through three. And then you hit a whole, just a brand new crop of people make the new ones. So, I mean, I just feel like everybody's values and goals and what they, what they believe a Star Wars movie should be or could be or whatever is just different. So I feel like as a fan, like every time they do a new era of movies, it's like your, it's your job as a fan to try and get on board. And like, as much as like people want to like still, like I still, you know, read articles to this day that talk about how horrible the prequels were and all that kind of shit. It's just like, it's like people just couldn't get on board with it at the time. And like, everybody's just like, oh, there's just this, this toxic this or this toxic that. Like they act like there's just like this dark and sinister thing to the fandom now. And I'm like, 
No, it's, I mean, obviously there's always internet trolls or whatever. People are rude. People, you know, say mean things or whatever to get a reaction. But it's like, it's really just the same thing as of like, it's just a fandom that can't get on board with the newest iteration. And then it's like, well, okay, like you're always going to kind of lose people every time you introduce a new era of it. Um, but are you picking up enough new fans? I think is the question to keep it going. And, you know, maybe yeah. they are, maybe they aren't. I, like, I feel like right now, you know, with the that's way- all that matters really. Honestly, yeah. like I, if, if they make a crap ton of stars movies that I don't like, but it's giving yeah. the original trilogy new fans. I mean, I don't care. Yeah. You know, that's that's going to ensure the continued survival of Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope. I, I mean... You know, like, um, I think at this point in time, kind of like I feel like how a lot of... Like I, was, like, I was always a George Lucas fan, so I never felt this way. But I feel like after the prequels wrapped up, there was just a lot of people who felt like it was just time for a breath of fresh air and for Lucas to leave and somebody new to come in. And I feel like that's kind of where I'm at with the current era is really like the Kathleen era because she was the one that fired everybody and redid all the shit on Rogue One and Solo. And she was the one who made the decision to let Ryan just like do whatever story he wanted to with Last Jedi. So like I feel like I kind of have a new hope of like when Kathleen sails into the sunset and people are like, oh, that would never happen. I was like... The lady's 65 years old, and she's probably worth half a billion dollars. Sorry, but she ain't going to work forever. She'll, she'll, yeah, <laughs> yeah, everyone wants to retire at some point. Yeah, so... I yeah, mean, no, they're, they're, they'll keep doing... I will say, I I think if episode 9 does wrap everything up, I yeah. it is good that I that they're cooling it with, yeah. with the movies. I mean, they expand into TV and streaming and all that, but... I've been saying since day one, when they wanted to do a Star Wars a year, that you know Star Wars is not Marvel. It's it's not, it's, not. It, it's it doesn't Marvel has like sixty years of comic history and characters they can extrapolate from. You can't take a one size fits all thing just because you want your own cinematic universe. Like right. you can't. And I, I think that that model is completely wrong for Star Wars. And I think I think people started to feel it, too, with Solo. Yeah. Well, I didn't even like Solo, but it did get, like... It got decent enough word of, like, reaction from, I think, fans and critics. Yeah. But, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I mean Solo is, is known as, like, this big flop and all this. It's like... It was like, they, they didn't lose any money on Solo. Like, quit fooling yourself, you know what I mean? I mean, I personally never would have wanted a, a Han Solo prequel anyway, but everyone was like, well, no one was asking for this. And no, no, they they really weren't. But, but I don't think that was really, I, I don't think it's the matter of what was Solo. It was where was Solo in terms of when it came out. Like if they had put that out, maybe, I mean, it's December right now. If they'd stuck to the December model of a Star Wars in December, or maybe if they put it out next February when there's not much else to see, I think it probably would have done better. I oh, I think I think so for sure. I think if it would have came out this Christmas, it would have done better. I mean, assuming that you know other movies would have moved off the schedule, but um, yeah. But you know what the one the one thing that I've never heard anybody say, Bird, but I honestly believe is. 
I think more than anything, as much as people are like, oh, Last Jedi came out and then the fans boycotted Solo. I think more than anything, the thing that hurt Solo was Rogue One. And what I mean by that was, I remember when Force Awakens was out and I already, you know, because like, you know, we're all geeked up. I was all about Rogue One. And like, I would talk to people who love Force Awakens. I'm like, well, what about the next one? Like, nobody even knew about it. So like, I'm just curious, and it wasn't like the marketing really ever, like, sold it, like, before this, before this, there was Rogue One, like, I'm just wondering how many people either didn't really understand the concept of Rogue One and thought it was the next Star Wars movie, either initially through previews or whatever, or just people went to see it, and they love Force Awakens, and they and they just realized, like, hey, I want more Rey, I want more Kylo, I don't give a fuck about the, these nobodies and strangers, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then with Solo, it's like, it's like, again, it's like, even the people who love Last Jedi, and like, like I mean, we even know people, Trev, huge as Last Jedi fan, no interest in Solo, and it's like, I just feel like it's hard to be like, you're in the middle of this trilogy of characters that you're dying to see what happens next. And then you're like, Oh, here's this other movie. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? No, yeah. It, that doesn't, cause I mean, it I doesn't mean, work. It's weird. I mean, even Marvel's doing it and Marvel has a little more cachet to do it. But like, even though Ant-Man and Wasp made money, there were so many people that were negative on Ant-Man and Wasp just because it came out after Infinity War. <laughs> yeah. They're like, who cares about the small-scale <laughs> bullshit? Who cares? <laughs> this generic villain that, you know, phase shifts or whatever. Who cares? Give me that thick daddy Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no shit. I don't... It's it's weird because they, they're like, oh, well, how are we going to... How are we going to, you know appetize the audience while they're waiting for the next one it's like let them wait (laughs) yeah i totally think rogue one and solo because they totally rushed the force awakens and it's like well documented the behind the scenes whatever whether it be the scripting the shooting whatever like they really forced it i think they should have done one of the spinoffs first and gave them more time to develop episodes seven through nine but it's too late it's too late disney's running wild Today we got the bombshell that the Emperor is actually Anakin's father <laughs> via an official canon whatever Disney comic book. Yeah. It's just like... Not biological father. No, he, no. He, he, what, he, what did he do? Well, he walked up to his mom and like... Yeah. He like snuck lit, up to Shami Skywalker. Like conjured force energy in her uterus that formed he, a fetus. It was literally like a ball, like an electricity ball in her stomach. And that, that's <laughs> canon, by the way, folks. That's really what happened. So like... I feel like Disney, with their quest to pump out 500 million Star Wars books and comic books a year and cash in every way they can, it's like, I just think eventually, like, everything will be retconned, anything. Yeah. Like, like, well, it's, it's like the last uh, the last expanded universe. Chewbacca died because a planet fell on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a moon, yeah. Yeah, a moon fell on him. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's ridiculous. And I think, that's why I really hope, like, Lucasfilm, like, I mean, I don't want any more Indiana Jones movies, but they like they keep threatening they're going to do all these other projects, and they never do. They just go make more Star Wars. <laughs> but I feel like if they did have separate movies, you know, because Lucasfilm, when George Lucas was still running it, um, his last project he oversaw was uh, animated film Strange Magic. I think even if Lucasfilm now 
was doing animated films, anything to get their mind off Star Wars and, and stop trying to bleed that stone dry, you know what I mean? Because it's pretty bizarre that you have a film studio that's Lucasfilm um, that is really Star Wars film, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Star Wars and sometimes Indiana Jones, maybe. Yeah, maybe, that's, possibly. Yeah. There's a part of me that thinks, like, Kathleen, or, or maybe it's not Kathleen, maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's Disney, like, behind it all, is like, just keep rewriting that Indiana Jones script. Harrison ain't getting any younger. Like, it's like they want to recast, but they just know that, you know, just like with Solo, they know nobody wanted a different actor playing Solo, especially after that debacle. And now it's like, now they're probably getting, like, cold feet. They're like, we can't do it while Harrison's alive. We got to wait till he dies. And then the second he dies, uh, we'll rush it in production. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be awesome if they got out in there and right, like to use up his other solo movies he was signed up for. <laughs> they slid him over to Indiana Jones. <laughs> All right, we are nearly an hour into the Bird Holiday Spectacular, and we have not talked about anything holiday related. Bird, this is uh, true. yeah, Bird, tell the people uh, you shared a photo. I found it very interesting. Tell tell the people about. I believe there's four of them, your favorite Christmas ornaments that you have. Yeah, I have a bunch of Godzilla ornaments. Um, actually, I, I, my mom gave, gave them to me like a couple years ago. Like, all of them, basically. I have uh, the 54 uh, original Godzilla, and then I have um, uh, the 60s Godzilla, who's like kicking rocks or something. Mm. Um and then uh, I have the Millennium Godzilla with the purple spines, uh, Godzilla 2000. And then uh, my girlfriend got the 2014 Godzilla. And so my Christmas tree just has a bunch of Godzilla on it. But they're cool. Like, you press them, uh, buttons on them, and they light up, and they uh, roar, and they, you know, the like the atomic blast will light up or whatever. And Yeah. What I was going to ask you from looking at the thing, and then you said they even have the electronics inside. Are they, like, super heavy? Do you have to, like, really position them on the tree so they don't, like, fall off the branch or whatever? Yeah, kind of. Like, uh, you, I always, like, kind of, like, uh, make a little space or, like, you know, have a little support branch, like, bent up. <laughs> yeah. So I don't do real Christmas trees. I just have a... Right now, because I'm in an apartment right now, I just have, like, a little, like, one that you just pull out of a box every year yeah yeah that's what i do i don't i don't know i feel weird about the uh about like killing a real tree every year just for it to be up for two weeks or whatever <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know i grew up as a fake christmas tree man so don't mind i actually yeah, bought a christmas okay. tree this year it's the first time i put up a full-size christmas tree i want to say since 1999 i believe wow it's almost 20 years since I've had a real Christmas tree. So it was, it was pretty cool, I have to admit. I'm happy I went Christmas tree route again. Um, anything else about this particular holiday season that you're enjoying? Uh, I mean, I, I have a lot of uh, nostalgia, I think, that anyone probably does for Christmas. And, um, you know, the this, this time of year historically for me and probably a lot of other people is one where like a lot of bad things happen yeah. but the older i get and now also um 
you know, uh, I'm a stepfather, essentially. Um, you know, it's, you know, it, it kind of is reminding me a lot more of my old, of my own childhood. And, yeah. you know, my mom, my mom still makes her awesome Christmas cookies and nice. Christmas fudge and spiced nuts. And I love all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so the older I get, the more I I, I kind of get into my childhood joy and less of my seasonal depression. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, no, I, I think what you're saying too, if you're lucky enough to to be able to see the the holiday and the festivities through the eyes of a child again, I think it you know like helps bring back some of that yeah. magic that you lose when you're an adult. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's not even like Santa like. Uh, when I was probably the same age as, as as my my kid, like she just turned four, uh, my mom still tells the story to this day. When I was like that young, I just randomly one day I told her I don't believe in Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, leprechauns. What? <laughs> and what yeah. got into you, bird? I don't I don't know. And <laughs> my mom just looked at me like. Well, where did that come from? <laughs> and so she never really had to worry about that again. <laughs> this, this is actually funny. I've actually never told anybody this. Yeah, I don't think I've ever told anybody this. So, like, like I wanted to believe in Santa for, like, the longest time, like, as long as possible. And, like, I want to say I was about 12 years old because it was when we moved to our second house. And we moved in that house when I was 11. So it was either it was either Christmas that I was 11 or maybe the next Christmas where I was 12. Like, I really wanted to still believe in Santa. Um, like, even though I knew because I would always find my presents. So, like, I would find all the presents, like, unwrapped. And then I would find them, like wrapped saying they were santa from santa in a closet like you know what i mean like so like yeah i, I always always did that um not always more when i was an older kid but like I, I remember i went to my mom and i was like i was like i asked her i was like is santa claus real and i was like 11 or 12 years old and i actually wanted her to say like yeah he is real but then she told me she broke down the whole thing of like well no santa's not real but there is the spirit of christmas and all that <laughs> and I was like heartbroken because <laughs> you I know so it's it's interesting. I think most kids figure it out when they're really really young. Yeah. I was like, and I denial. think they just don't want like, and I think they want to believe it, you know. And eventually they they just stop like pretending to believe it. Yeah, and then like I don't know how it got back to them. Either either I told my dad or my mom told my dad. And he was pissed that she told me <laughs> he wanted to keep it going. <laughs> but I mean, I was like really depressed. I'm like, this fucking sucks. Because <laughs> it's like that thing you ask, but you want to believe, you, like you want somebody to tell you, no, it's real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But I, I tell you what, Bert, I will talk about one thing that very recently has made me feel like a child of Christmas again. And I think you know what it is. I'm talking about those awesome, delicious Grinch pancakes at IHOP. <laughs> I can't get enough of them. For people oh, they, they look pretty heavy-duty, man. Yeah. I don't know. For people who don't know, they got Grinch pancakes. 
to celebrate the new movie. They have a couple different items from you know based on the movie. They have a wildebeest omelet, but I go for them Grinch pancakes, and they're pancakes with some green dye in them, so they're really they're green. And then they put they have a special green mint whipped cream that's so good, and then they put some white kind of icing on top oh my god they're so good i remember when, when oh they put little red candy hearts on them too which i don't really get other than they're red but i don't get why you put a heart on there um so i was like over the moon ecstatic i went and i got them just on a lark you know like they turn out to actually be delicious not just like terrible you like usually you see shit and oh that looks cool and then you taste it and it's terrible and Bird, you came out. I mean, you 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 had no qualms. You said that's too much stuff on those pancakes. I believe your direct quote was, "When it comes to pancakes, you should only use butter <laughs> and light syrup." <laughs> no, it was syrup and light butter. Okay, but yeah, syrup and light butter. <laughs> yes. Come on, man! It's pancakes. It's like, <laughs> it's like the silliest food that is. It's like one step above those those weird orange circus peanut candy things. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't get too elaborate with I don't think anything like I I and syrup is re- your regular maple syrup. Don't be giving me the blueberry or the the, the yeah yeah I was yeah I was gonna say what's the crazy one they have that mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, boysenberry. It's fake. Yeah, but I, don't know, I feel like pancakes is like the one food. Like I wouldn't be going crazy and putting like like syrupy shit all over like a steak like i wouldn't take whipped cream and draw a face on a steak but i feel like a pancake it's okay you know that's yeah (laughs) yeah that's the only food people regularly make faces on i think yeah yeah it's pretty cool i can't remember (laughs) what movie it was but there was some movie too where maybe it's like minions or something a couple years ago ihop tried to do it where they try to draw a face on and i'm like that's just some fucking guy in the back with a can of whipped cream like, he's got to sl- make this slop all day long, grilling the shit, and then you're going to force him to draw a silly face <laughs> on a pancake. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm talking about, I mean, at least with the Grinch shit, he just dumps the nasty green dye into it. <laughs> I love Grinch. And I went back this past weekend and uh, got him a second time. I don't know if I'll be able to get a, a third and final Grinch pancake visit in. Um well, maybe I will, because they gave me a 20% off coupon that had a picture of the Grinch. So I'm all Grinched out. Still have not seen the movie. I'm trying to see the movie before Christmas, but uh, the showtime's got cut down. It's in, like, the tiniest theater they got. It, it actually um, might try to hit it Christmas Eve, but it could be sold out. There's limited showings on Christmas Eve, so. But I hope I get to see it. There you go. The only Grinch I really care about is the old the original cartoon. Yeah, you don't even like Jim Carrey Grinch, do you? No, it's weird, because I never thought that movie had a very positive reputation, and then the last couple years, people are yeah. acting like it's like something that we should all care about. But I gotta admit, you know, I was still fairly young when, uh, like, not as a kid, but just as a young adult when the Grinch, when Jim Carrey came out, so I was like, this is fucking corny, like, who cares, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I thought I was annoyed by it. Because it was like, I remember you would go to the grocery store and almost every product, I think it was Kellogg's products, and they make a lot of different shit. Everything had Grinch hands on it. And I was like, God, just you know, <laughs> enough of it already. You know, I was like, yeah, he's in the rubber makeup. Who cares? But I've I've never seen it all the way through, but I've seen big chunks of it. Like, usually I see it playing on, like, some movie channel in, like, July or something. But um, 
I will say I, I am impressed. Like, it doesn't seem to have much plot. It's almost like a movie where he's constantly just being chased around. But it, it, I think it's impressive when you see that they physically made the whole village. And then you see, like, dozens and dozens, like a hundred extras with, with the, the mutant makeup on, whatever the Whoville mutants are. So I kind of respect the movie. And I was going to buy it on Black Friday. They had it for, like, I think nine bucks on 4K. But it was actually sold out. First of all, I was shocked that it was on 4K because, like you said, like I didn't think people really liked the movie or revered it as a holiday classic. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it seems like yeah, nobody yeah. likes Jim Carrey anymore, right? I mean, I think his his uh, personal politics precede him these days, but and not even like Democrat and Republican politics. It's this va- anti-vax. <laughs> shit oh he's one of them yeah it's all cuckoo i just knew that he was always talking about being a construct and uh, yeah he's yeah he's always (laughs) saying weird stuff i don't mind him like uh i mean i actually like i I think he's a really good dramatic actor eternal sunshine is one of my favorite movies oh i think he's awesome i think he's funny i started watching his show i just i and i i hope to finish the season i just kind of fell out of it but uh kidding uh that he did with michelle gondry where he's like a a Mr. Rogers type that's like going through a midlife crisis is pretty in- entertaining, and he's really good in it. So. Yeah, I've seen parts of it flipping around. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to end in about a month, but uh, my Showtime free preview is going to go away. But you have a Showtime, bird? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Are you? Are, I'm about halfway through it. Are you about that uh, Escape of Dana Moore? What now? Have you been watching Escape at Dana Moore? No, I am not. You you know that what show I'm talking about on there? No, I don't even know. I don't know what okay, you're. Okay, it's 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 here. seven part mini series more than anything, based on a real life jailbreak. Every episode directed by Ben Stiller, uh, Paul Dano, and Benicio del Toro play the inmates who escape, and they escape from getting help from this nasty lady that runs a sewing shop at the prison that they keep taking turns banging. And then like half the series they spend, like they, they cut holes in the wall and they're like climbing through, trying to figure out their escape route, like climbing through the bowels. Tell you what, also David Morse is in it. He plays a prison guard. It's an awesome show. David Morris plays a, 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 a cop or prison guard. You're kidding. Yes. yes. <laughs> but it's, it's really good. Dude, Benicio Del Toro, man. And it, like, after I saw this, I had an issue with his role of DJ as Last Jedi. I'm like, how could you waste that guy? Oh, like, yeah, he's great. Because nothing, nothing bores me more than prison shit. But Benicio Del Toro, he's like the guy who kind of runs all the shit behind the scenes in the prison and shit. He's... He he blew me away in this. Like it might be, but his best role, I think, just from a standpoint oh, yeah. of, I don't know how to say, but it's like, and Ben Stiller is a hell of a director. Like there's just a lot of unique shots and sequences that you wouldn't expect. Um, you know, there's some like prison stuff, whatever, but it's it's really like a combination, like a character study between the woman who's played by Patricia Arquette. She gained like fifty pounds. They made her oh, wow. face look super old and ugly. They did all this weird shit through her skin. And it's like, it's all about this woman who, you know, being romanced by these prisoners. And then the prisoners 
you know, they have their different stories and what's going on. They're both, you know, sitting his life. I don't know. It just, it just really took me. I was, I just made the commitment that I want to watch this. Um, well, I had the Showtime preview or whatever for the next month. And uh, just because really Benicio was on it. And then I got to say, Ben, St like, I forgot how good and talented of a person Ben Stiller is. Like, he directed the shit out of the show. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I recommend it highly. Once you, uh, and it's only seven episodes. I think five have aired so far. And I think the last one airs on, like, December 30th. So it'll be wrapped up pretty soon, you know, and then you'll be able to binge it all or do whatever you want. But yeah, right. and, it, and it's based on a real, real true thing, and it's the actual escape part of it is pretty amazing, like the shit that they did. But yeah, I, that's kind of like my, my one big, you know, television recommendation over the years: Escape of Dana Moore. All right, cool. So, without further ado, we will get into the main chunk of our episode here. And just like how me and Trev did a couple years ago on Holiday Special, we're going to be talking about Bird's three favorite holiday films. Bird, in any particular order you want to do, let us know what one of your favorite holiday films is. Okay, I, I'm 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 uh, both prepared and unprepared, just because <laughs> <laughs> just because I feel like the the favorites are the same ones that always show up. Sure all everywhere yeah. and so it's like okay do i want to pick my actual favorites or do i want to get into some like more obscure ones or ones yeah. that don't seem to get enough attention and you know what i mean uh but i mean there's so many christmas movies that it's pretty insane yeah. like i it <clears throat> but like yeah, I mean, uh, like my favorite. Well, first of all, we we should we should get into this because what what constitutes a Christmas movie is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Sure, if it makes you feel the Christmas spirit. And the reason I say that is I feel like Die Hard at its core is about is really about family. So I actually do say Die Hard is a Christmas film. And that's something that people argue about all the time. No, but, yeah. the only um, the only one that I would kind of argue is very arbitrarily a Christmas film is you know how Shane Black sets all his movies at Christmas. Yeah, is I kind of feel like he didn't really sell it all the way with Iron Man three. Yeah, like is there's nothing Christmas about it yeah. other than the, other than you the know, Christmas so, tree. So it's like times. how, yeah. So like how much do you want to narrow, like how, yeah. how much do you narrow that down? You know, uh, that's, that's the big question. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, it, but I mean, to me, something like silent night, deadly night, that's a Christmas film. Cause the whole core, the whole theme is very dark and twisted, but you could say it's a Christmas film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's all kind of strange. Now, well, let me ask you this. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, more appropriate to watch at Christmas or Halloween? See, I don't know if this is an age-old question that even you bring up a lot, and I'm going to go Christmas. Why? Because it's, it's about a guy from Halloween Town. The, the, the movie opens, I believe, on Halloween night, 
it opens a guy from Halloween Town learning how to be Santa Claus. It ain't about Santa Claus learning how to take Jack Skeleton's uh, job in Halloween Town. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, more of the movie takes place uh, at, in Christmas than, than Halloween. And the, the, but, whole, the whole central theme of it is really for Jack Skeleton to learn how to be Santa. What is Santa? Why is he doing these good deeds? You know? So to me, it's definitely, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like to watch it both times a year. I, I mean, I think that movie still holds up. Oh, yeah. I saw it on Halloween Day one time. It was like a one time, you know, just like literally like a, for one day we're showing Nightmare Before Christmas. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And I saw it on Halloween Day. And it, it, it was great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, okay, so uh i'll like i i wanna i don't wanna get into like i i don't wanna talk about too much about die i don't wanna talk about die hard i don't wanna you know i wanna get into some stuff people might not have seen or maybe heard of or or whatever um batman returns is a christmas movie right yeah. is it yeah yeah it was definitely uh, at the beginning part when um, Penguin's goons attack and Batman goes through with the Batmobile and all that shit. They're fighting yeah. with the big Christmas trees and all that. Um, I've grown to appreciate that movie more. It's an awful Batman movie, but as a Tim Burton oddity, I think it's pretty cool these days. See, it's my favorite Batman movie of all yeah. time. And the reason I say that was I feel like... <laughs> You know, first of all, I'm not a Batman fan. Like, I had a handful of Batman comics growing up. But to me, it was a very, you know, because of Tim Burton's sensibility, even much so more than Batman 1989, it was a very comic booky movie at a time when, A, there was hardly any comic book movies, but also, B, the ones they did make were not very fantastical or outrageous at all. And I loved how... Batman Returns just took a whole big leap into, you know, with all the characters, Penguin, Catwoman, whatever, it just took a huge leap into the absurd, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, for Christmas, makes a great double bill with Edward Scissorhands. Yep. Another Tim Burton uh, Christmas set movie. But again, I mean, this is stuff that everyone knows. If I had to pick a favorite holiday movie, favorite, uh, it would be Gremlins. Oh, yeah, I love Gremlins. Um... And I saw Gremlins really young, but it was that thing where it's like it freaked me out, but like I loved it kind yeah. of. <laughs> um, and Gremlins is brilliant, and everyone listening to this has seen Gremlins, but uh, it's just it's still holds up. And um, you know that that speech that uh, Phoebe Cates gives about how she found out Santa wasn't real. Um, is would not make it into a movie <laughs> these yeah. days. No, not at all. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and I, I know I love it so much, man. Like, I know I just, they tried they tried to talk Joe Dante out of uh including it, and he said, "I can't make this movie without that scene. That scene wow. is the movie." No, and, yeah. I mean, I, as a kid. Uh, that that's I believe it's in that speech where she talks about or they talk about you know some people are opening presents other people want to open their wrists up or whatever like yeah. that was my first as a kid that was my first introduction into the idea that people get really depressed at Christmas time you know what I mean yeah 
Um, I'm sure that scene also explained to many kids that Santa's not real. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but no, I love it. It holds up. Uh, I have very fond memories of it as a kid and as an adult. Um, I mean, right now I'm kind of just doing shout outs because I don't want these to be like the three. Yeah. Just, um, but yeah, Gremlins and Gremlins 2, not a Christmas movie, but a, no, one not. of the underrated and uh, just uh, smart sequels ever, probably. Um, well, you know, you know, I, I personally prefer the first Gremlins, like by a wide margin, just because it's it's more. I don't know. I, I even like the creatures themselves better in the first one. But like the one thing I will say, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Gremlins. Gremlins two was such a hype thing when I was a kid. I collected all these figurines. I was so excited when the movie came out. I liked the movie a lot. I bought the trading cards. But the the thing is, you even though the, you can't really compare the Gremlins movies because the first one is so dark and, and you know there's so much melancholy in it, and it's it's tied so much to the Christmas theme. And part two is designed to be this big, kind of loud live action cartoon thing that like, it, like it's trying to be a big summer movie, and it is a big summer movie, and it's done like really well as a big summer sequel. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's hard to compare them at all. Um, a more recent one that I really love because I love Christmas horror. Oh, uh, I do too. Some people know that about me. Uh, our my old podcast if it bleeds we can kill it me and trev did a whole episode about christmas horror uh krampus is the most recent one and it, yep. it's weird because christmas horror used to be like a rare little treat you'd find but ever since yep. krampus there's more every year and that's not a complaint uh, my only <laughs> complaint is i don't have time to watch them all right um but krampus i thought really nailed it um and uh um yeah, now I'm going to get weird and more obscure in a minute, but I have to give a shout-out to 1974's Black Christmas oh, yeah. by Bob Clark, um, the movie that really uh, Americanized the, some of the things the Italians were doing and uh, paved the way for Halloween. Uh, you know, it, it uh, you know cons- considered by some to be the first real slasher movie and uh you know it's definitely in there and um you know don't see the remake from a few years ago go right for that original movie and then speaking of bob clark of course i have to mention a christmas story oh um, amazing which yeah which is a movie that thanks to tnt i think everyone has memorized but um it is a really well done film, and uh, I mean, I could probably live my whole life without ever seeing it again. But you, you know, <laughs> I, I, I never watch it all the way through. But I yeah, watch same it here. On, on TV when it's on, and like I'll watch it until it goes to the commercial break, and then I'll go watch something else, and I'll come back because they always like run it in a loop. I'll just yeah. watch parts of it. Like yeah, it's, or, it's like I'll have it on. it. I'll just put on the channel in the background while I'm doing something else. And, you know, throughout the course of the day, I, maybe I will have watched the whole thing, but, like, in pieces. Yeah. Um, I love that movie as a kid because it, even not even so much about the Christmas theme of it. I love that movie because that's one of the best movies ever, I feel like, for kids to watch where the whole story is told from a kid's point of view. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, did you know they did a sequel? 
I did, and I never watched it because it was, uh, wasn't it like my, way later and like director? Yeah, it was. It was like it was ninety four. Okay, and uh, like, yeah, it's, it's some of the same cast, um, but I never saw it. And then they did one of those cheap straight to video sequels a few years ago, which okay, I never I saw either. But Bob, the original sequel from ninety four, Bob Clark did come back for really. Yeah, that was shortly before he went insane and started making baby geniuses and stuff. But <laughs> you mean when, before he started cashing them big checks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah um, but Bob Clark is just very unique because I because I'm a huge Black Christmas fan. I mean, it it possibly could be in my top ten films of all time. Period. Like, <laughs> I was very uh, very taken aback. Because um, I had recently rediscovered Black Christmas. I was always a fan of Black Christmas, but whatever, how many years ago I got a DVD of it and I started watching it, you know, religiously every year around Christmas. And then it was like kind of like around Christmas time that Bob Clark passed, like in a real bizarre, tragic uh, car accident. And I got to say, you know, you know how we always talk about Bird, like all these directors that we lose and stuff now because of old age. Like Bob Clark was the first one that like really hit me hard, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um uh but yeah and then um I don't know. I mean I I like Christmas movies you watch pretty much from when you can watch movies through your whole life basically. So yeah. um like one of my it had, it had to have been one of my first theater experiences cuz I th- probably started going to movies when I was like 4. And so like 89 had I think the re a re release of Bambi I think might have been my very first but then also Land Before Time yep. um, and then there was a movie to this day I only saw the one time in theaters at the age of four and I don't remember a damn thing about it uh, but it was a movie called Prancer with Sam Elliott uh, I've never about- seen it but I remember when it came out yeah yeah I don't remember the movie itself very much but I remember going to see it. Uh, I remember my mom taking me. I remember the theater because it was the first time I went to that theater, which is one that I still go to regularly to this day. And I remember it being the first time I was in a theater that had cup holders and thinking it was so like this theater has cup holders. Uh, But I don't really remember the movie at all. (laughs) But uh, so shout out to Prancer for uh, giving me fond memories of cup holders. That, that's crazy, man. Because I'm actually uh, old enough that I that I remember either setting your drink on the floor or trying to set it in between your your uh, lap and letting it freeze your balls. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and I re- like I remember like going and seeing movies that did not have those, which is why I was so blown away <laughs> that they had coupled. <laughs> um. So uh thank you Prancer wherever you are. Wherever you are Prancer. Um uh probably some shitty basement archive title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You probably got to pay like 18.99 to get a laser disc transfer of Prancer yeah. on the archive. Um, and then like there's some weird ones too. Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Have you ever actually seen Santa Claus Conquers I, the Martians? I have and it was it was from um the way I got into it, believe it or not, like, I mean, I've always known about it. it's called mock st- status, but, um, I got into it more from seeing it around my apartment. I had like a hipster roommate who loved the flaming lips 
and the Flaming Lips uh, frontman was trying to make some weird spinoff or remake of it. <laughs> so then my roommate was interested in the original movie, and like I just remember watching clips and shit. I mean, I've I've, I've seen it more from, and I think maybe because didn't MST3K do it? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I did watch the MST3K <laughs> version of it, but yeah, it's 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 Japanese movie, right? Uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. What? That, it's not. It's not Japanese. It's not it's Asian. Not. Uh, yeah. What? I think that one's just the U.S. Mystery Science Theater did do. Um, uh, <laughs> um, a crazy Mexican movie called Santa Claus, uh, otherwise known as Santa Claus versus Satan. Mm. If you heard about this, I've, yeah, actually, I have heard about that. Uh, it's it's crazy because it basically Santa Claus, he lives in outer space and he has to come to earth to battle Satan who is trying to ruin Christmas by making children just do evil things. And it's, it's, it's a really crazy surreal movie that I don't know how human minds like came up with it, but that that's a mystery science. I think that that episode might be on Netflix actually. So like, is, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, um, <clears throat> have you seen rare exports, the Finnish movie? I have, and this is what's crazy, Bird. I had it on Blu-ray, like, right when it came out on Blu-ray. I had it for years, however many years ago that was. I had it, and every Christmas, I'm like, I'm going to watch this, I'm going to watch this. never got around to it. I forced myself to watch it, I think a couple of days, actually, after last Christmas. So I just saw it within the last year for the first time. And let me tell you, I was not emotionally or mentally prepared for that bizarre cavalcade of CGI that happened at the end. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's almost more legendary than even the Krampus film in terms of just being the craziest over-the-top Christmas movie, you know what I mean? No, Rare, Rare Exports is pretty insane. There's, like, nude old guys who oh, yeah. are, I guess, elves? Are they the elves? Yeah, like, they think... I, I always thought the premise of the movie is that they were Santa... And then I have a steelbook of it, and on the inside, the steelbook has printed pictures of Krampus, which <laughs> Krampus doesn't feature into the movie, like, at all. Um, yeah, Rare Exports, it's usually streaming somewhere. Um, and then one that I... So for... I'm so cheating, by the way, because I'm talking about, like, a hundred movies. You and are some, cheating, but that's okay. Yeah, if, someone, if, if I would have known you were going to do this... I, I would have, like, really cut down on all that fucking Marvel and Last Jedi. Uh, whatever. I would have let you get to it right away, but I, I was afraid of filling time for the holiday special. Yeah. But uh, one I, I'm going to take a few seconds on here is Night of the Hunter, which only the ending really is at Christmas, but it's just a great movie. Uh, Robert Mitchum, Shelley Winters. Uh, it's a classic suspense film. If you like old thrillers like Hitchcock kind of stuff, I can't recommend it enough. Okay, so my three that I will talk about for more than two minutes. Um, okay, my first one is Trading Places. Oh, yeah. By Jim Landis, starring Eddie Murphy, Jamie Lee Curtis, Dan Aykroyd. Um, just a movie that uh, is 
um, this is kind of one of my go-to comedies. And when people say, oh, Bird, you hate comedies, which is, is very true most of the time, I always point this out as a reason why I like older comedies. Because in the 80s uh, and before, even the 90s a little bit, um, more comedies were really kind of willing to go to a more uh, area of more social commentary. Um, and this movie is about what happens when a poor black man and a rich white man trade places uh, due to a comedy of errors. Yeah. Um, and I just think that it's, it, to this day, um, one of the better, you know, satires on race relations. Um and it's John Landis, uh, uh, um, you know, the the peak of his career, or what is about to be the peak of his career. Uh, right. Same with Eddie Murphy. This is right before Eddie Murphy blew up. And, um, uh, yeah, it all takes place at Christmas. And um, it might be a little bit of a stretch because thematically it's not too Christmassy, but it does tie into themes of it togetherness and acceptance and um and things like that and um you know that's kind of how the, the movie ends on a, a high note in in that regard and um yeah no i just i just love it and i remember comedy central used to play this movie all the time and that's how i first saw it um and uh it's i mean i i just I don't feel like these days it gets talked about enough um, over no, the years. No, it's kind of like what we were saying uh, when we were talking about Gorgo. I mean, the movies like this and Gorgo is they they lived due to television, you know, re re airings and. You know, now I, I don't know if this is like this doesn't pop up on what you want to watch on Netflix. And, yeah. you know, I feel like unless a movie pops up in that little trending bar on oh. Netflix, it's just kind of not talked about much. And it's it's, um, it's so forgotten. I mean, a lot of Eddie Murphy shit is really forgotten. And uh, I would agree with you. I would definitely make the argument that it's a Christmas film. Because uh, if you really look at the, what happens with the Dan Aykroyd character in particular... It's almost like a wonderful, it's a wonderful life type of uh, character arc. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, um, I don't know if you agree with me, but I, I think it does something great that a lot of comedies don't do because comedies are just they're usually trying to be so silly. But I think with its its plot, I think it plays the long game beautifully. I don't want to spoil the ending. What happens? But the way the movie wraps up and what happens with all the characters and the the two older guys, I think it's like one of the best, like emotionally funny, satisfying endings of any comedy movie ever. Yeah, and I always use this movie and actually a lot of the classic John Landis directed comedies as examples of comedies done right, and that. So many of them, I mean, I'm talking more of the mainstream stuff. There's always little indie comedies or yeah. dramedies or whatever that I like, um, like a Coen Brothers thing or whatever. But, like, comedies, they don't really have scripts these days. You know, it's yeah. all ad, let's just have a thin premise and ad lib the whole time and just throw it together. But, I mean, these were witty 
well-scripted movies, this and uh, the loosely connected coming to America, stuff like that. I mean, they had plots, they had characters, they had arcs, They, it, but they were also really funny. Yeah. And that's what I miss in going and seeing, like, I mean, I you're not going to get that out of the latest Will Ferrell vehicle or, right. or whatever. And comedies... the mainstream comedy is really just kind of the most dead genre to me. And I miss when movies like this were more normal. I mean, uh, outside of the Will Ferrell game and the Kevin Hart game, comedies are kind of non-existent. And a lot of it has to do with that. It's like the one genre that you a hundred percent can't export around the world, especially the China in particular, because comedy doesn't really play that well you know because so much of what's funny to americans has to be based around our you know our more social mores and our values and whatever and that's just not going to translate and then on top of it a lot of comedies even pg-13 comedies they have risque content that cannot pass the censor board in places like china you know what i mean yeah so i miss when comedies a hollywood comedy would be something that was actually written Right. and thought about and had something to say um yeah and trading places is just a, a classic and Ackroyd, murphy john landis i mean it's all these guys at the very top of their game and yeah. um it's it's something that got a lot of attention throughout the 80s and 90s and maybe even early 2000s and now you know, it's not trending on Netflix or Amazon, oh. so you know, uh, uh, younger people aren't checking it out, and that sucks. That um, so my next one uh, is I'm cheating a little bit, but I, I am going to talk more about one specific movie, and that is uh, the Silent Night, Deadly Night series. Mm. Um. I have seen all six of them. <laughs> wow, dude! <laughs> uh, on multiple occasions, uh, which probably raises more questions about me than anything. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it does. <laughs> um, By the way, side note: I'm currently I watched about maybe half of it on my DVR. I've got to finish it up here the next day into, but I'm working my way through part three right now. Part three is probably my least favorite. Directed by Monty Hellman. Yeah, weirdly. that caught my interest. Know. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. But um, uh, the first two, I really—I mean, they're awful. They're all awful movies. The first, yeah. the first two, I like the, the most probably. Uh, the first one has so many great moments. Linnea Quigley getting impaled on the spikes and the yeah. crazy grandpa who is, as you know, a tradition of mine on Facebook every Christmas Eve. I have to post that clip. Um, yes, you do. <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 has a garbage day, uh, and it's mostly flashbacks to stock footage of the first one. Yeah. So if you have one, you know, maybe watch that, but you will miss out on the grandpa scene. Yeah, uh, and part two was like the rarest one for the longest time too. Yeah. Now it's coming out on a eighty dollar Blu-ray, but uh, three uh, has Bill Mosley as the killer who's suddenly like mute and has like a, a see-through dome. Yeah, <laughs> exposes his brain. Yeah, he looks <laughs> he looks like a Ninja Turtle villain in it or something. Yeah. 
I think this might be the only one that I've only seen once, so my memory of it is foggy, but I remember not being that impressed. And then after that, it kind of gets into this weird anthology territory where yeah, it, it does. doesn't... Really? Um, so Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, uh, directed by uh, Brian Yosna, is a really insane, barely Christmas-related movie about a cult um and it's really bizarre and uh i don't know i mean if you like brian yosna movies i would say check it out um and then there's five which we'll get back to and then there's silent night a remake made in 2012 that was actually pretty well done like like actually like felt almost like a real movie yeah um with malcolm mcdowell uh but i want to talk about silent night deadly night five the toy maker uh for starring Mickey Rooney as yeah. the toy man, which Your is funny, which is funny because Mickey Rooney was when the first Silent Night Deadly Night came out, it caused an uproar in Middle America because uh-huh. the idea of a killer Santa Claus was just completely unacceptable. Even though the Santa Claus is a young guy that doesn't even wear the beard, um, and uh, one of the most outspoken people saying it was wrong was Mickey Rooney who was morally disgusted by the first. But he's not morally disgusted by paychecks and work. <laughs> well, he, he wasn't getting them sweet toy maker <laughs> paychecks yet. <laughs> well, he must have been really desperate, because I doubt his check for the toy maker was very high. Have you seen the toy maker? No, I was going to say, um, I've only seen part one. I'm very, very late to the Silent Night game. Um, never, never spotted them in video stores ever when they're on VHS. Never came across them on cable somehow. So I just jumped in when Anchor Bay uh, and the DVDs were always in and out of print and very expensive. So like I just jumped in when Anchor Bay finally released the Blu-ray a few years ago, got that. It kind of became a uh, annual tradition for me to watch it on Christmas Eve. I kind of got out of that cuz like for a few years I did Black Christmas, and a few years I did Silent Night Deadly Night. Now I'm kind of more on that Christmas Evil train. But, yeah. uh, but I really only seen part one until the other night I saw I could, you know, on, on demand watch part three. And I was like, well, I'll watch part three because at least it loosely ties into his younger brother or whatever. But yeah, yeah um, so I've never seen all these like sequels and shit. Yeah. See, I went through high school watching one, two and five the most because I'd rent them. Okay. Uh, um, three and four, I didn't care too much about, but those three are the ones that I I we I would rent several times, uh, just because they're so wild. Uh, the Toy Maker is directed by I don't know some guy, but it is produced by uh, Brian Yuzna, and this is about uh, so Mickey Rooney. This is one. Of, it's a Christmas movie that takes place in a like I don't know. It must be taking place in like Nevada or something because it's not mm-hmm. snowing. Or any, there's nothing wintry about it. Um, but Mickey Rooney plays this crazy uh, toy maker, and um, he has this really weird son uh, whose name is is uh, is Pino, and he he makes these killer toys that are designed to like I don't know, like you'll buy a, like a toy like creature or something, and press a button, and it'll like kill you. So yeah, that's his thing, and he has a toy store, and people buy these toys, and they kill, they get killed by the toys, and then they're like unsolved murders. Uh, so, uh, so, so 
let me ask if you uh, get where this is going. Mickey Rooney plays uh, an old man uh, who owns a toy store. His name is Joe Petto. Oh, yeah. And his son is named Pino. Mm. Can you guess what the twist might be involving these two? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, because they have on my on-demand thing right now, which I think it's Star's Encore channel has these available, if anybody has that on their cable, on demand or whatever, they have, let's see, I think they have this, they have three, and I think... They have three, four, five, and Silent Night. So I was like, you know, I'm like, well, how much time do I really want to devote this holiday season? So I went to the, uh, the you know, the synopsis or whatever on the Toy Maker. That shit straight out tells you and on demand that this is a modern retelling of Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so yeah, Pino, uh, yeah, so he, he is indeed um, uh, artificial. Yeah. Uh, and there's a crazy scene where he, because he doesn't have like a penis, because he's like right. he's like a Ken doll, yeah. uh, basically, and he is like sexually frustrated though, so like he's trying Ooh. to like he's he's like trying to like <laughs> rape this woman, I'm and he's just like Chucky flashbacks, <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like like gyrating towards her, but like uh-huh. he has no uh, private parts, and it's really. That's <laughs> really no, strange movie. Well, hold on a second, Bert. Like, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about a little person in a costume acting? This no, it's like here? a, it's like a, it's like a grown man. It's it's okay. it, like he's supposed to. He's like a a teenager, but of uh, he's fake basically. Okay, you sold me on this. I'm downloading this. No, it's insane. I yeah. yeah uh, look I, for. I originally wasn't going to make time for it, but I'm definitely going to watch it now. No, it's crazy. Uh, Clint Howard has a cameo as a mall Santa, um, and it's just one of the craziest Christmas uh, anythings. Yeah, I, like I really, I was surprised because I was reading some of the background the other night once I started watching part three, and part two. Um, the reason they show all them clips is they have very little budget. I think part two was made for like two hundred fifty grand in a couple weeks. So they just had to reuse all that footage to pad out the running time. And I'm curious, and then like also it was very poorly received and got very limited theatrical play, part two did. So like I'm surprised, I mean I guess they just realized they could tap into the video market. But I was really surprised that after like the whole disastrous production release of part two that all all these sequels came later. I was like where did they come up with the money? Because they couldn't come up with the money um to do really part two correctly so. yeah and then they got monty hellman to they to do three i don't know maybe they tricked him or something and then brian usna basically took over four and directed four and then he produced five so those were kind of yeah. like his he must have been and then, up. yeah and then the then there was a remake that was like years later and is kind of its own because, I mean, that was when slasher remakes were everywhere. Yeah. So. When, when every slasher had to have a remake. And that was, yeah. like, that was like, because the rights holders in general, it wasn't like, you know, because, like, with Freddy, like, New Line owns it, and then Paramount, and then eventually New Line owned Jason, and same with Letterface, Hands Chain. But Silent Night was, like, even though the first film was distributed by Columbia theatrically, it was never held by any, like, like these rights weren't hard to get, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's just, it's a weird franchise, but I really wanted to talk about the toy maker because it's just insane. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's something. (laughs) 
it's something to behold. Yeah. Uh, my number three, another one that a lot of people probably won't know, uh, is um, a Hammer film. Uh, the British studio Hammer, uh, who is mostly known for their horror movies, their Dracula, Frankenstein's, you know, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, which I love. I'm a big Hammer horror guy, but I'm I'm gonna go outside of horror and go to a uh, a suspense crime thriller, uh, 1961's Cash on Demand, starring Peter Cushing. Have you heard of this movie at all? Not at all. Let me, um, give me the lowdown on this. It's a loose. And I emphasize the word loose retelling of um, the Scrooge story. It it doesn't oh, okay. have the ghosts of Christmas past or whatever, but basically, uh, so Peter Cushing is this. Uh, he's the manager of a bank, and he's just very no nonsense, uh, the no fun allowed kind of manager. And you know, his staff is talking about. You know, the working uh, a couple days before Christmas, and um, you know they're gonna have a, a work. Uh, Christmas party and you know Cushing is just wants nothing to do with it and he's like you kids don't want just want to have fun and blah 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 and the reputation of a banker is you know so important and all this stuff and then a uh, a very um, uh, a ruthless yet very uh, I guess unsuspecting at first uh thief attempts to well he he he's trying to rob the bank and he he's basically thought out every step of how this robbery is going to go and he knows everything about this bank he knows everything about the security systems and he tells Cushing like I have your family uh, at gunpoint at home and you're going to do everything I say or they will be killed uh, and the rest of the movie is just him putting this intense pressure on Peter Cushing to do everything he says, exactly how he says it. One wrong move will get his wife and kids killed, and he has to abide, and he can't do anything to alert anybody. And it's like, okay, how is this guy going to get out of this situation? Um, you know, and at the end, I won't spoil how the situation is resolved, but, you know, the... There, the, throughout this, you know, the these two guys, this robber and Peter Cushing, they they get into talk of their philosophies and how Peter Cushing is, you know, yeah, maybe you, you should appreciate your family more. You should appreciate your staff more. Who, you know, they they might they want to have fun, sure, but you know, you should appreciate the hard work. You should pay them more, you know, and all this stuff. And this is coming from the bad guy, and then wow. yeah, and then through you know. The, the course of the movie, you know, we the, the the I won't spoil how how it gets resolved, but you know, the it ends with our villain basically saying like, yeah, you could learn a thing or two about life, um, and it's uh, old black and white movie, uh, British, um, but it's it's suspenseful, and yeah, there's a, a lot of times where you're like, oh, you know. How is Peter Cushing going to get out of this? Like, there's no way he can get out of this. Um, but I highly recommend it. Um, it's on a pretty affordable... I mean, it's on some import Blu-rays that are really um, more uh, fancied up with the special features and stuff. But um, Mill Creek did a, a decent release that's bare bones of this and uh, a couple other movies that's 
you know, it's Mill Creek, so it's affordable. Um, but no, I uh, I highly recommend Cash on Demand, uh, Hammer Studios. It sounds good, and it's it actually, I mean, the casting is definitely Hammer esque, but I, I'm I'm kind of surprised that they made a movie, that, you know, with this genre, this style. Yeah, it, I mean, they're they're most famous for their horror stuff, but yeah, Hammer did suspense, they did sci-fi, they did comedies, and. Uh, yeah, uh, action movies, pirate movies. I haven't seen a lot of their non-horror stuff, but uh, from what I've seen, um, this is one of the. Uh, this is like p- probably part of the cream of the crop of their non-horror output, and uh, another movie that yeah, virtually no one on earth knows anymore. <laughs> but yeah. uh, check it out. Check it out. Cash on demand. It's it's out there. You can get it cheap. I'm sure some uh, niche streaming site might have it up, but. Yeah. It sounds like such a, it's funny too because it sounds like such a modern title for an older film, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I, yeah, on demand now is like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What indie what indie movie can I rent that yeah. didn't play in my theater? <laughs> yeah. Bird, just to circle back for a second, I'm going to blow your mind. I looked up a little while ago. I got some prancer facts for you. Oh, okay. Let's this hear him. Was, yeah, this was actually a Ryan Pictures release. It was actually a hit. It grossed $18.6 million. And I guess it was so successful, 11 years later, in uh, 2001, um, they produced a direct-to-video sequel. And Prancer has actually been released several times by MGM Home Video on DVD, sadly no blue. But DVD and several, they keep changing the. It's one of those ones where it keeps selling, so they keep just redoing the the cover. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so Prancer was uh, actually a pretty good hit, right oh. there. Oh, <clears throat> oh no shit! I'm on the Wikipedia page now. This is directed by John Hancock. His first movie is uh, was Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Oh, was it? Yeah. Which have you seen that? No, but I've heard it's of a, it. It's a it's a really cool atmospheric little like seventies zombie vampire kind of movie. It's like a I don't know. It's it's a really underrated movie. I had no idea he made Prancer. That's nice. Let's see. He also had some uncredited directing on Wolfen too. Oh, I haven't seen Wolfen. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I need to see it again. Well, I did Bang the Drum slowly and Baby Blue Marine. Baby Blue Marine is actually a movie I kind of want to see. Jan Michael Vincent, yeah, Baby Blue Marine. I've always been curious about it. Huh. So yeah, and now I'm kind of curious about Prancer. That might be my uh, my pick this year for the holiday movie I've never seen. Because I, yeah. I, I remember it so kind of like, you know, vividly but vaguely at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and... Um, and wasn't there, oh man, wasn't there like in the 80s, Bird? Like, didn't they make some jank sequel to like Miracle on 34th Street? Uh, I think they did. And then yeah. they did a remake in the 90s also. Did they? Yeah. Oh, you know, I also got to mention the uh, Peanuts Christmas special, which oh, I also yeah. watch. Yeah. I, I, I watch that all the time uh, around Christmas, too. Yeah, and obviously we love The Grinch. Like you said, the original one. Yeah, the Boris like, Karloff, man. Yeah, I like all the uh, stop motion ones too that they. Used yeah, to yeah, the Rankin Bass stuff yeah. is 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 great. Like I like if they just put all the Rankin Bass ones like together 
and like just like released it in a theater, I would go pay to see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, what what more can you say, fans, about the holiday movies? Is there is there one holiday b movie that you just been burning to watch that you haven't gotten around to yet, Bird? Uh, right now, um. Uh, you know, well, see, like, um, me and my girlfriend, one of our first, like, uh, movies we saw was Krampus together, wow. so, so it's actually been, like, a tradition, every Christmas Eve, um, we watch Krampus, um, so I'm looking forward to, to our annual Krampus viewing, I always try and squeeze gremlins in there, there's nothing I'm, like, really dying to, oh, I gotta watch this before Christmas, like, there's not really anything like that, but, um, yeah, I would, I don't know, I'd like to cycle through a lot of the movies I I mentioned today, or wherever, wherever I can. But is there one that you've never, like, you've never watched it? Oh. Uh, it's probably a horror movie. Yeah, I, uh, I think one of mine would probably be a horror one. Although I will say, because I've seen the original Santa Claus several times, and we just rewatched it a week ago because we had a family visiting. Yeah. Uh, and my girlfriend got the box set last year, and we just didn't get around to watch it. But I am curious because I've seen the Santa Claus film probably three times in my life. I saw it once in the theater with my mom. We watched it around Christmas time a couple years ago on Netflix streaming, and now I watched it again on the blue. I have no idea where this series could go. And like, I know that <laughs> sounds stupid to be like, but the first one is such a self-contained movie. I'm just so curious. And, and shockingly, every time I see it, I forget how much I love the Santa Claus. Like, just really just the story of, like, the divorced family and the dickhead stepdad and just, like, how the guy's losing touch with his son and him becoming Santa makes a relationship with his son again. Like, I don't know. I think it's a really underrated movie. Um, oh, we didn't mention uh, <laughs> Jack Frost. Oh yeah, you know what? I gotta the killer watch killer snowman Jack Frost. I, I bought that I think last Black Friday from Vinegar Syndrome with the little lenticular cover, and I never watched it. But yeah, I gotta watch that this year. You know what's insane is the plot and like the like events of the movie are eerily similar to the Michael Keaton Jack yeah. Frost. Like there, there's scenes like where he's like like fighting bullies where like. The only difference is the horror version. He kills them. Like they, they, they he says a snowball fight with the bullies to protect a kid. Like this happens in both of them. Wow. It's it's uncanny. Like, <laughs> and what you know what like, I did? You, did you, they you come out I, like right at the same time too? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. suspicious. It's suspicious. Yeah. You know what I? When I was an asshole teenager, you know what I used to do when I was in the blockbuster stores? Uh oh, let's hear I used it. To swap out the, the Jack oh, Frost. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I would put the horror one in the in the, in the Michael Keaton case and the Michael wow. Keaton one in the horror horror case. Yeah. I only did it two or three times. It's okay. I you know it's <laughs> it's funny. I've never well, I guess technically I've never seen both, but I, last year I kept watching parts of the Michael Keaton one on on TV on cable. And um, I need to sit down and watch it because I've always been kind of attracted to it because I actually saw, well, I didn't see them filming anything, but I saw them setting up one of the sets for it when I was on a tour of Warner Brothers on vacation one time. And it was like dead of summer. And they, they were putting like the fake snow and shit up like around the house. So like I saw them setting up like all the fake snow around like Michael Keaton's house in that movie. 
And what I thought was great, because it's not that old of a movie, right? Isn't it? Well, yeah. like, like Late 90s. Yeah, it's like 98. Because it was like 98 when I did a tour of the, the studio. And uh, they were shooting, like, I think just some reshoot shit, you know, before it came out that holiday season a few months later. But when you watch it, watch, it's great, too, because I noticed it, like, and they do this shot over and over. Every time, because it's like, it's like kind of like the Santa Claus where, like, actually he's a musician and, like, he's losing touch with his wife and his kid and whatever. And, like, his buddy played by Mark Addy is always taking him and pulling him away and whatever. And they're always driving away. Watch when they drive away from the house. Because you can clearly see at the end of the street, it's just, like, a huge matte painting that's supposed to look like a 3D street going down the road. And you can just tell that, like, the car always <laughs> starts out, and then it starts slow. Like, right before the shot cuts, it starts slowing. The car actually starts slowing down because they're about to hit <laughs> the matte painting that's the end of the street. <laughs> like, it goes maybe, like, two houses down, and they have all the bushes full of fake snow and Christmas lights up and shit. And then you just see him <laughs> not trying to hit. And the shot, like, it's not the same shot. Like, they just, you know, different takes of them driving away that in that direction. But it's great because you can totally tell it's just a map painting street. Oh, we didn't mention Christmas Evil or elves either. Yeah, Christmas Evil. I came late on. I got the vinegar syndrome blue two, three years ago, and it's it actually really kind of replaced. I want to say uh, the Silent Night, Deadly Night spot for me because it really is um, more like I, I can't believe how much Christmas Evil is a. Um, <laughs> You know, like an actual Christmas story, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's got one of the craziest endings ever. It does. And, and you know what? Shout out the the guy who plays the brother in it is Jeffrey Demont, and he's awesome. Yeah, a young buff Jeffrey Demont. Yeah, and he's awesome in it. I was gonna say Silent Night, Deadly Night. Believe it or not, Bird, I I really do like that movie, but I, I actually like the first half better because I like the all the flashbacks when Billy is a kid. And I, yeah. like, I like all the shit of like, you know, like, like I love the flashbacks where they show his like parents get murdered. And then I like it. I like the parts where he's growing up in the orphanage. And I actually really like the parts where he's working in the toy store before it all goes wrong. Like, I actually kind of feel bad when everything goes wrong for him, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, one that I really wanted to watch, but it just didn't come out anywhere near me. Uh, so this, to, to answer your question, oh, what's one you really want to watch is, uh, I'm really curious about Anna and the Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually playing near me at a cheap theater, but I'm afraid I won't get to it this week. It just came up out of nowhere. Yeah. So that's one that I'd really like to check out, but who knows? Yeah. Also, I mean, it's it's not really the same company, but I was surprised that that one is actually an Orion release as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, they, the new Orion, I should say. <laughs> yeah, because like it got bought by it's it's it switched hands because someone bought it, and now yeah. it's kind of back ish. Yeah, kind of ish. <laughs> I think the only one that they did that you could kind of loosely call a wide release was when they did belco experiment but that yeah. was that was just because they had the james gunn name going for it and you know i haven't seen santa claus the john russo uh movie or santa claus the goldberg uh <laughs> killer santa movie yeah the, the i watched um because it was on streaming for years the the goldberg one i watched like the opening scene which is like where all the celebrity camo cameos are in 
And, like, I mean, it was pretty funny. It was pretty cool. But, like, after that opening scene where all the celebrities get killed, I just had no interest to keep watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was the, um, what was that movie in the 80s? Was that the one you're talking about? There's one called, like, Santa Claus the Motion Picture, I think, when I was a kid in the 80s. Do you remember that? No. Yeah. Let me just do a quick whatever. And I think it was, like, one of those, like, I think it was, like, Canon or somebody like that. All know? right, yeah, I'm I'm uh, with Dudley Moore, John Lithgow. Yeah, yeah, that one, yep, yeah. Santa Claus the movie. Oh, it was the, the, the Saw Kinds. Yeah, Saw Kinds, that's who it was, yeah. I always thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> I really like the, uh, like, we make it a uh, tradition here to watch it, um every Christmas morning, but I really like Nutcracker, the motion picture, the 80s version. It's like, um, it's really just like the recording of the stage ballet, but mm-hmm. it, um, but it, the, it's a co-production between the Seattle Ballet and Maurice Sendak. So like all the designs and creatures and stuff are based on Maurice Sendak's, uh, you know, drawings or whatever. It's, it's pretty cool. All right. And last year, for the first time, I watched the um, the <laughs> Macaulay Culkin Nutcracker. That shit is funny. <laughs> he got this little like clown headed wig on as the Nutcracker and shit. <laughs> He's got like a mask that he pulls off and he starts dancing. It's awesome. Oh, I when I, I liked Home Alone one and two a lot as a kid too. Yeah, I think yeah. I saw both of those in the theater. Yeah, I remember they were big holiday releases back then. Yeah, like I've seen them. But I don't think I saw them, like, right when they came out. I think I saw them later. But, yeah. I think we I think we kind of tapped the uh, whatever, the nostalgia barrel on these old holiday movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, clearly there's more out there that we haven't seen and we'll discover. Maybe we'll come back in another two years to talk about those ones. But, um... But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's kind of an interesting genre. Maybe we should do a commentary for one of them eventually. Oh, you know, I actually did watch uh, most of it because uh, my my daughter likes it a lot. Actually, is that Kurt Russell Christmas movie? Oh yeah, Cool Santa <laughs> Christmas Chronicles. <laughs> but yeah, basically, I remember when that came out. Well, not when it came out, but when it, like the trailer came out. There's so many people on my Facebook feed are like, oh yeah, Kurt Russell, he's Snake Plissken, he's Santa. I was just like, but is it like an actual movie? But I think it's actually, um, I think actually Chris Columbus made it, right? Uh, he produced it. He produced um, it, yeah. it. I mean, it's it's fun, but it's very like I was surprised at just how many like adults I've seen say they love it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very it's a fun like kids movie, but it's like a, a it's a kids movie, right? Like. Yeah. Like it's a movie for little kids, right. like, and that and I mean, I mean, you know, no, no shame in your game if you want to enjoy a, a small children's Christmas film because that's what the the season's all about, you know. Um, but yeah, I was just shocked by how many adults were full force, <laughs> <laughs> you know, on board with it from the get go. I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess, Kurt, I guess that's Kurt what Russell, we're doing now. Kurt uh, Russell, Santa yeah, Claus, yeah. Netflix. <laughs> Kurt Russell's a lot of fun in it, though. Yeah, I'll, I'll, Kurt Russell, yeah. he'll make anything great. Yeah. So, yeah, so, friends and fiends, I think we reached the conclusion of Bird's Holiday Spectacular. 
Yep. Yeah, I want to definitely thank you, Bird, um, for, you know, all the recent appearances on the show throughout 2018, of course. And obviously we'll have more planned with you. Yeah, we yeah we, we got a couple more coming. Yeah. The train's not stopping yet, folks. Yeah, we got some stuff in the hopper. No, no use of teasing it right now because we don't want your mouths to water too much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so everybody... If you like giant monster movies, you're going to want to head on over to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. That's where Bird and also our good buddy Matt is talking about all things Kaiju-related films, like, you know, books, whatever, the history, interviews with different... I mean, anything you... Any possible facet of the genre, you know, you can head on over there. And I'm sure you probably got a taste of it on a Gorgo commentary, so... There's a whole world to discover over <laughs> on Kaiju Transmissions. The If It Bleeds archives are still live. Nice. I keep it. I keep it going. Nice. You keep paying that sweet, yeah. sweet lips and money. <laughs> yeah, that sweet like five bucks or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I might as well say it. Uh, you know, like uh, uh, announcement here. The credit card went through. It renewed. So uh, with the pod beans, so the movie graveyard will be around for at least one more year. <laughs> you got to get your money's worth. Yeah. Right? Um, I want to say thank you. I don't have it pulled up right now, but we got a, another cool review. I was a little worried, Bird. We 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 went like a year uh, without having like a new written review from somebody on iTunes, and it was kind of bumming me out. It was actually like a year and a half because we like we came in with the show, everything was hot and heavy. We got maybe a dozen reviews, and, and then, like, the reviews stopped. And, uh, yeah, so somebody came by. I uh, can't think of their screen name right now, but I want to thank... I don't think anybody who's gone on and gave us a rating and left a review on iTunes. It really helped us out a lot. Believe it or not, according to the Podbean statistics, Bird, 60% of <laughs> our downloads come from iTunes podcasts, so... If you are going through iTunes, whatever, I know anytime you bring up like iTunes, people are like, well, I don't use iTunes. I don't use it. There's other ways you can get our show. We have a feed burner. We have a pod bean. We have all kinds of stuff. But um, considering 60% of our listeners get it through iTunes, if you want to give the movie Graveyard a Christmas gift, go over there and leave us a review. Um, because the thing I like about the reviews, Bird, is like sometimes I'll like you know, be like, I just want to cover this movie because I like it. I don't think anybody will listen to this episode. And then, like, one of the guys, one of the episodes that were like that was when me and Trev talked about the Chocolate War, and somebody, you know, went on and left a review and said, hey, it's you know, this these guys are covering movies like the Chocolate War that nobody else are covering. So, I mean, that's what I really like about, it's not really about, I don't need you guys to kiss our ass, but what I really like about the reviews is I find things out and I find out what you guys like about the show and it kind of helps, you know, let me know which direction to steer things. So if you can leave us a review, do it. Um, Recently we hit about 60 episodes, so there's tons of old episodes to go back and listen to. If you're already listening to all the episodes, hit the Kaiju Transmissions. Bird, buddy, I want to thank you so much, and obviously we're in daily contact, but I don't think we'll be doing any more podcasting before the end of the year, so I just want to wish you a happy new year and a happy holiday season, everybody. Yeah, you you too, my friend. Yeah, whether you celebrate Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, whatever. I celebrate Christmas. Awesome. 
<laughs> I guess you could say I celebrate Christmas. Where are all the Hanukkah movies? And I don't know. Kwanzaa movies. The, the only Hanukkah movie I can think of, right, is Eight Crazy Nights, the Adam Sandler one. And yeah. Yeah, like I actually, it's been a few years since I read up on it, but I actually read up on Kwanzaa a few years ago out of curiosity. And, and, and compared to the, you know, like Hanukkah and Christmas, it's a fairly modern holiday. I think Kwanzaa is actually really interesting, like the origins of it. So everybody hit that Kwanzaa Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah. You won't regret it. Someone make a Kwanzaa horror movie. I would watch a Kwanzaa horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Everybody, thank you. Wish you Happy New Year. We'll see you guys in 2019 here in the movie graveyard. You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows, visit electronicmediacollective.com. Just what you wanted for the holidays. Movies from McDonald's for your family and friends. Give them the hilarious Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Or the family favorite, Babes in Toyland. Each video just $5.99 when you buy any large sandwich. Or surprise them with Dances with Wolves, the original full-length version. Unbelievably priced at only $7.99 when you buy any large sandwich. During McDonald's Holiday Film Festival. What you want is what you get at McDonald's today.